0: you need indeed
1: talking through the scary damar hamlin situation that's what we're going to be doing a little bit more reserved episode of stealing bananas today brought to you by win i'm ben gretch find my newsletter as always bankers with me as always is sean siegel and final of his great work over at road Sean, we debated whether or not we would even do a show here today. Obviously, inevitably, want to get back to doing shows and, and talking about football and those things. It didn't seem right to to never discuss it, right? Uh, I think a lot of people do want time and, and don't don't necessarily want to discuss what we saw on Monday night because it was um, something that none of us, I, I think, have ever seen. You and I have watched a ton of football, and it's something that was unprecedented on an NFL field. For me, um, but it is something that I know a lot of our listeners we've heard over the, the years and the episodes that they like our um, perspective on, on things, I guess, and then not just necessarily football related, but on a lot of different types of things. And so for those people who wanted to be here to, to chat a little bit about kind of what we're thinking and what we're feeling and, and how we're processing what has been a difficult few days for anyone who watches NFL football and, and pays attention uh, for anyone who is not interested, basically what we're going to be talking about today. I think maybe towards the end we'll talk a little bit about how that impacts fantasy leagues, which is you know sort of a pressing thing for a lot of our audience as well. Uh, how I've approached at least one of my leagues as a commissioner and, and some of those types of things might be something that we'll discuss towards the end. But I mean, right off the top, obviously an incredibly scary scene on Monday night with with Demar Hamlin. I'm pretty sure that anybody listening to this podcast is aware and, and probably saw what happened or has heard about what happened, at least. Obviously, had to be resuscitated on the field, entered into an ambulance, the game was canceled. And again, this is not the most important thing, Tamar Hamlin is the most important thing, but as far as like timing of it, just really kind of crazy of all the games in an NFL season that it happens. The you know, for our little fantasy football world, not important, but just sort of crazy timing that it happens on Monday night of the fantasy championship week and does create a lot of uncertainty there. There's massive implications for the playoffs, for the bills and for the Bengals and and for the real NFL side of it. But the most important element that we want to talk about is, is Damar Hamlin. And, you know, something that we as fans sort of have all kind of acknowledged and talked about that something scary like this, felt inevitable for a lot of years watching this sport and something we all grapple with we talk a lot about head injuries um and, and those are incredibly scary they're more longer term scary and, and we get removed from it a little bit as fans when some of these things happen 10 years down the road and then you know we hear about a junior sayO or something and and we're forced to reconcile that in our minds, but also we've not heard the name Junior Seau for a few years and it's not as immediate and it's not happening on the field. There's a lot of scary stuff associated with this sport, obviously. And, and this is a, you know, a pretty stark reminder in it in what was probably the biggest game of the NFL regular season for, again, for, for fantasy football fans, but for the NFL as well. I mean, massive playoff implications, week 17, a lot of eyeballs on that game
2: there definitely were and it's just it's heartbreaking in so many different ways and it does give you that that full experience of of what it's like to go through and process events that happen in our world and obviously there are many events outside of the united states that are going on more or less constantly where people are dealing with very tragic circumstances all the time but you you think about this and the roller coaster of emotions and and even something Again, that is not nearly as important, but fantasy football related, where we're in the middle of this high from it being week 17, from it being Monday night. For you and me personally, our friend Patrick Corain in position to win $2 million in the underdog contest. You guys are doing a live show when it happens and handle that very well in a very difficult situation. And then you have this devastating moment, which is just devastating across the board for the players and anybody who's ever doubted that these are real people and have real emotions obviously that is no longer something that you have any question about you have the situation here where you're reminded of the both the beauty and the frailty of human life and you know, if there are any just tiny positives that come out of it, we learn so much about DeMar Hamlin for people who didn't already know. And many people did. But you discover what a wonderful, beautiful human being he is. And he's not the only one by any stretch. The NFL is is like a cross section of society where you have so many wonderful people and you look at the outpouring of emotion and how that translates into something tangible like the six million dollars that have been donated to his gofundme campaign which is again just another little sign of what a unique and wonderful human being he is that that was something that he's working on you know raising money for toy drives kids camps that kind of thing and you know just a reminder i think of if you have disagreements with with other people and questions about them, everything about this reminds us of what people are at their core, which I think is is wonderful. And so so there were some neat things there, but I mean just very scary and tragic. And Ben, I think the best thing today is that there's some positive news. His health seems to be trending in the right direction. You and I don't have medical backgrounds, but you have some medical resources in your family who are very close to you and have been looking into a lot of this, Uh, this seems like a positive sign.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to say that I don't know what I'm talking about at all. Um, But as we said at the top, I think there's a subset of our listeners and and you and I discussed before the show that like hearing our thoughts on things, it's a podcast and, and with respect to, that element of it and the fact that there are people who don't know what to think and might not know a lot, we might be a resource for them that they trust that we have shown an ability to be discerning and and research things and understand things. I talked to you before the show, sort of what my understanding at this moment is of, you know, maybe what happened and where we're at. Um, and we're recording this on Wednesday morning and, and the signs on, on Wednesday have continued to be very positive, um, but I mean, I'm, I'm happy to share that stuff. I just want to be very clear that I, I mean, the, certainly if anything were to happen and things were to turn poorly, I'll be devastated. I don't need you guys to tell me that I'm a, an idiot because I'll already feel as terrible as you could possibly feel. But wanting to, to, to share sort of what my understanding is for people who might be interested, um, the term that has come up a ton for anyone who's on social media is this commercial cordis. I did a lot of research into that on Monday night. It happens mostly in youths. The average age of people affected is about 15. It often, most commonly, happens during sports. It happens in a lot of sports with balls, like baseball. And I, you know, I found a, a, a memorial for uh, or a, uh, a charity set up in in a memorial of a young person who was unfortunately killed from this in 2000 playing lacrosse. So it can happen in a lot of different types of sports. Essentially it's this moment in between heartbeats where an impact can knock the heart out of rhythm. You understand the function of the heart. I mean, I think we all do is, is to pump blood to, and from all the parts of our body and deliver oxygen to different areas of our body. And so you have, I mean, it's very quickly understandable that when you knock the heart out of rhythm, if you kind of think about the actual mechanism of that sending out and, and, and retracting blood throughout your body automatically creates problems. Right. And so, you can understand why getting the heart back into rhythm is immediately very important. uh, From my understanding, again, not a doctor. And so it sounds like that's what happened. The the positive to the extent that there is one that again, for my understanding and all the discussions about this commercial quarters is that once the the heart is reestablished in rhythm, you're not out of the woods, but like, that is the most important element of this right there's not like blockages there's not massive things if this is what happened we don't know if this would happen the reason i believe this is what happened is everything else that we've learned sort of leans towards that later on we saw that the ambulance was waiting for uh DeMar's mom at the at the uh stadium before they went to the hospital which suggested some level of stability there was a commentary on tuesday from the uncle that he had to be resuscitated again at the hospital That has been disputed Wednesday or almost, I think, clarified Wednesday that it was maybe a misunderstanding, which often happens when, when, you know, family members and people are told a lot of medical stuff. It's not easy to obviously keep everything in in track, but that was the one detail to me that was like, that's out of line and that seems really scary. Sounds like that's not actually what happened from his friend and business partner um, on Wednesday, clarifying that, that DeMar Hamlin was not a, needed to, did not need to be resuscitated again on or at the hospital it was just on the field which th- again that would have been really out of line with them waiting at the stadium before they took him to the hospital and then the commentary we've heard about him being on oxygen my understanding of that is that that can be caused by the cpr that was uh administered on the field right that that can cause actually lung damage that there are trained at emts that have been discussing that They're taught to put a lot of force into that intentionally. Uh, It gets the heart back in rhythm, but it can't actually damage the lungs. The fact that uh, DeMar Hamlin was reduced to 50% oxygen, which was reported on Tuesday the day after, was discussed widely as a positive that it was that quick. Basically, that his lung damage was not that significant. And then uh, we got more positive news Wednesday. We have heard that the teams, uh, the Bills in particular, have been given cautiously optimistic news. Sounds like everything is really positively going in the right direction. And again, that, that this was something where there was a cardiac arrest. That's that's been reported that can be caused by commotion quarters can be caused by a lot of things that that cardiac arrest was, you know, that Damar Hamlin was then resuscitated. And, and since then has basically just been recuperating i think from lung damage potentially from cpr that that's sort of my understanding and that, that things are going positively not to say these completely out of the woods not any of that but sounds positive to anyone who is still sort of confused everything sounds positive the fact that the family is now saying we're getting positive news we know the doctors are notoriously conservative and cautious and kind of talk about worst case scenarios this is a really high profile situation the fact that you have people closer to tomorrow now coming out and telling news networks and, and and that word is getting back to the bills players and things that things are going positively would suggest that things are going, You, I would expect even more positively than that, right? Like the, that they're going to be cautious before they announce those things. So just so happy to hear that, you know what I mean? But um, something that doing a lot of research in the last, whatever, 24, 48 hours, wanted to discuss that this was crazy. This is not something we've ever seen on the NFL field. I, I, don't believe it's ever happened. Uh, confirmed in, in NFL, it did happen in hockey in 1998. A slap shot to the chest. A player named Chris Pronger uh, got or went into cardiac arrest as caused by commotio cortis during the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm not sure all the details on him. I we saw Chris Pronger actually send some tweets on Tuesday. He, in his own words, commented that the doctors cleared him to play in the next game. So he was, uh, damaged, uh, you know, uh, went into cardiac arrest during game two and they cleared him to play in game three. I'm not even sure if he played or not. I did look up, you know, his career. This happened in 98. He ended up playing until like 2012. He went on to play a long, long career in hockey. I would assume that for him, it would mean that he didn't have significant lung damage as a result of CBR or, anything, or CPR or anything like that. And he was more or less not okay, but, you know, had, had, Uh, healed from the incident relatively quickly and went on, like I said, to play the other example that immediately it struck me as, and I talked about, you talked about the live show. I was talking about this during the live show was at the Euro soccer tournament, which is like just a European version, smaller version of the world cup that runs, you know, two years offset from the world cup every four years. Uh, Denmark's Christian Eriksson collapse. I was watching that live. I believe that was in 2021 was supposed to be playing in 2020. The pandemic pushed it to 2021. He collapsed on just like a throw-in, and it was the quick reaction of some of his teammates that, that saved his life. In Erickson's case, it was, my understanding, again, not 100% certain on anything here, my understanding that he did have a heart condition that caused that. It wasn't by an impact. It wasn't commotional cortis, but it's a similar deal where he went into cardiac arrest, had to be resuscitated. Um, he didn't play for a significant amount of time, but he has since returned to play competitive soccer, international soccer, high level club soccer. So in terms of Tamar Hamlin's long-term future, who knows what he chooses or wants to do, but it like those are positive examples of high level athletes that similar things have happened to where they've been able to come back and actually play the sport they love even. So that is a positive. Something else that I'm clinging to. I wanna be optimistic sharing all this because right now I I feel optimistic. The research that I've done has made me feel optimistic. I think there's a lot of concern and rightfully so, but um, and, and again, speculating on on the young man's health uh, status is, is not something that I, I think is probably probably should have led with this. Not doing it to um, speculate on him or put him under a microscope or anything. I'm doing it more in relation to our audience and hoping that it might ease some minds potentially, hopefully, you know, I mean, who knows, but um, I think there's reason to be hopeful. and, And I think maybe some of those details can help people understand sort of exactly what happened or why there is reason to be optimistic and what might be expected. And we haven't, basically everything we've seen and in trying to track this over the last couple of days, everything we've seen has been consistent with this explanation. And so, except for that comment that he had to be resuscitated again at the hospital. That was the one thing. And when I was told that on Tuesday, I said to a friend, hope that's a misunderstanding because that doesn't seem to fit with everything else that seems to fit. And then we found out on Wednesday morning that it was indeed a misunderstanding. So um yeah, I mean, we're we're really hoping for the best. I'm very cautiously optimistic right now. And I think that's, again, I don't know anything about medical stuff at all. I'm just sharing what I have understood and I, I think is from a very medical focused non-emotional standpoint sounds positive from a very emotional standpoint we can go back to how we were feeling on Monday night I mean that was the scariest thing I've ever witnessed I didn't and it's been a kind of a tough couple of days right? for me and I'm sure for you as well Sean
2: yeah it's it's been difficult and I think the encouraging thing is that the teams handled it very well. Obviously there's been some controversy away around the way the NFL has handled it. And yet at the same time, it does appear that most of that is probably misunderstanding and the way they're going to do going forward will be something that is mature and appropriate, all of that kind of thing. I think that you have to feel good about the immediate aftermath and everything that went down because obviously there are scenarios in which it doesn't work out exactly that way, especially now as things appear and again appear to be trending in the right direction. Hopefully this can turn into a very positive story over the medium and long terms and completely separate. From football just the the life for damar hamlin and who he is we're just we're hoping very intensely for him as we know everyone in the nfl community and the world community is and one of the i think again if you're going to talk about not really a silver lining but just something that that i feel like we're so fortunate for on this is that this incident didn't stem from any type of illegal hit It was a fluke occurrence that can happen within the context of a sport that does have the dangers, as you mentioned at the beginning, it will be something I think that does underline the dangers of sport and that while it's a voluntary activity. And everyone gets to decide for themselves about being comfortable with that risk, that it's also a situation that even though again this was completely legal and everything was normal from that perspective that it underlines the importance of taking all the possible precautions and to create rules that create the safest possible sport and we do continue to see hits that that aren't legal that happen in part because everything happens so quickly you would never take an illegal hit and assign intent to someone and say that their goal there was to be illegal or their goal there was to injure somebody. But because we still do have such high frequency of those, I continue to be hopeful that as we go forward, the rules will be clarified and improved to protect people as much as is possible. I mean, it's 100% is, is obviously not ever going to be the case. But... You know, we've witnessed some other scary things you know even within the last week that underline the importance of better rules probably more appropriate to talk about that down the line in a little bit less emotional moment but I do hope that that we can just continue to make this safer because it should never be something where the entertainment of people watching trump's the safety, of the players on the field. And so there have been some very small strides in the positive direction. I'm optimistic that we'll see some large strides over the next several seasons.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. One thing though that is kind of the other piece of this as we transition to the end of what's going to be a, a shorter show for us is what fantasy commissioners might do. This is completely and totally insignificant compared to the human element, but it is something that a lot of people are dealing with. And because fantasy football is such a large endeavor and such a community endeavor, there are human effects with those kinds of things as well. The secondary part of this, as we transition to the end of of what will be a shorter show for us, is how fantasy commissioners are going to deal with what some of their options are. You and I are obviously in a bunch of leagues where decisions have to be made and and people are looking for uh, some some options. And it's not something where everyone should take the same path. So within the context of of knowing that this is completely and totally insignificant compared to the human element with Damar Hamlin, but I know that you have a league where you had a creative solution. We're going to talk through a few things maybe that fantasy commissioners can do as they're confronted with something that is also difficult.
1: Yeah, the league and question for me, the only player that was playing in the final game was Joe Burrow. That uh, individual was trailing by enough that the Burrow's projection on this site would have made it incredibly close. It would have pulled it to like two points and change just under three points. And then you think about that, Joe Burrow actually threw a touchdown really early in that game to Tyler Poyd. And you would probably scale the projection upward. I imagine at the time that the game was suspended that we're talking about like within a point, uh, either way, maybe the Burrow side had pulled ahead. I don't know, by a couple of points, but you're talking about a scenario where in that particular league, it was about close to a toss up as you could get. I don't think you could really make a strong case either way that somebody should have been more than 55, 45 expected, you know, win percentage at that moment. Um, and so in ta- what I did was I talked to both parties and I think both kind of agreed that there's not really anything we could do other than to then split the pot basically. And I think, you know, the, the team that was leading, was very understanding. I mean, I think there are probably scenarios where that individual felt like, or, or could have felt like, this individual did not, but could have felt like they won because they had the most points at that moment. But nobody wants to win that way, including this person that I spoke to. And so I think in that league, we're probably going to split it. One of the interesting things is they're talking about a lot of weird things with the schedule and possible avenues there really tough because it's really tight right and anything they do is going to add extra rest or change impact rest for somebody there's not time now there's no more bye weeks there's nothing i mean they have to push the playoffs back but if they do that then the bills and the bangles are the only team that playing for a week and everyone else gets a bye and so are they now at a disadvantage way to the playoffs they themselves might prefer to just stay on regular rest as everyone else even if it means losing some seeding, because there's a lot of implications there where the Bengals would have beat the Bills, they would have moved ahead of the Bills into the two seed and have a shot at the one seed if the Chiefs were to lose in week 18. If the Bills beat the Bengals, they stay in the one seed. If this game is never played, they now fall behind the Chiefs and won't get a bye. But they may prefer that to you know, playing an extra game that they could lose to the Bengals and then being on shorter rest than whoever they have to play in the wild card round or what have you with. So, I mean, the league as of Wednesday has said that no decisions have been made. They need to talk to the the teams in, in question. The really unique thing here is both the Bills and Bengals have things that they could gain or lose from a win or a loss in this game relative to it not being played and where they would be. There's three separate outcomes for both of them. The Bills, if it's not played, stay ahead of the Bengals and will presumably stay ahead of the Bengals and have the two seed and then going in, Assuming that they both won in their first matchup in the playoffs, would have a home matchup against the Bengals in the second round in the divisional round. Again, this stuff's not important, but just to break it down, Bills would be two seed, Bengals would be three seed as it stands right now. If nothing happens, Bills then would would play as the home team in the second round. The be- that's if they if nothing happens. If they were to win, they can be the one seed. Obviously, they were were ahead of the Chiefs until the Chiefs won in Week 17, and the Bills didn't get to play their game. If they don't get to play their game, they they lose that opportunity to stay in the one seed. If they do play their game and lose, though, they they fall potentially behind the Bengals and then have to play that second round game as the three seed on the road. And so there's that element for the, the Bills where they could lose something. On the Bengals side, they don't play. They stay where they They actually clinch the division as a result. If they were to have lost to the Bills... They would have fallen to a game ahead of the Ravens with this game not being played. their game and a half ahead of the Ravens. They play the Ravens of week 18. They've already lost to the Ravens earlier this season. If they would have lost to the Bills and then lost to the Ravens of week 18, the Bengals would have lost the division and fallen from the three seed down to the top wild card. The fifth seed means a road game in the wild card round. So they could they had something to lose. They also had something to gain if they go beat the Bills. And like I said, if the Chiefs then were to lose in week 18, the Bengals could have gone all the way up to the one seed. We talked about this last week on Steel Beninas that even after this week, they could have been anywhere between the one and the five, if the Chiefs would have lost in week 17, or if the Ravens would have won in week 17, that all that shuffling could have happened this week. Those results went opposite. The Chiefs won, the the Ravens lost, but they still, as it stands right now, the Bengals still have paths to the one seed. They still have paths all the way down to the five seed and basically any seed in between other than the four. So both teams have, I mean, when the NFL goes to talk to them, and again, not the most important thing, but just trying to talk through it. When the NFL goes to talk to them, they would have reasons to, nec- to not want to play the game and reasons to want to play the game. There's not like an obvious. This is what their incentive is, right? And and it's not probably going to be why they would make the decision, but just to, to to lay that groundwork behind the scenes. Again, for the Bengals, it means they they are AFC North champions. If the game's not played, then again, if it is played, they could get all the way up to the one seed or the two seed, which as you were talking to me before the show, as we talked through some of these scenarios, that's really important in a lot of the models for them to have a potential home game in round two of the playoffs against the bills. That's what they were playing for in this home game on Monday night was the, the possibility of home field in a rematch in the playoff. And so again, don't know what's going to happen with this game. I do think probably the best case for the fantasy commissioners out there is to just wait and see what happens, see what the NFL tells us. I would imagine we get word by by the weekend. You can't do anything with projected points. You can't do anything with Week 18 scoring. I've seen those suggestions on Twitter. Not commonly. It seems to me, and from everything I'm seeing on Twitter, that everyone in the community is very understanding of this. Anyone who watches football, and everyone who plays fantasy tends to, seems to understand the gravity of this and so there's no rush i don't think to make immediate decisions in your in your home leagues um we can wait and see but it sounds to me i mean my guess as an observer and again i don't know anything just like all my my medical comments there it seems to me like there's no way this game is going to get played that would be my guess is that it's, it's just it's like rainouts in baseball sometimes don't get made up. Typically when they don't matter for the division and things like that, this is weird because it does matter. But sometimes teams will play, instead of 162-game baseball season, they'll play 161 or 160 games because rainouts weren't able to be rescheduled and those teams were already eliminated. This is different because these teams are not eliminated. But all it affects is playoff seating. It does not affect who's going to be in the playoffs. They can't play the game Week 18 against these teams because the both – both teams' opponents are playoff, and the and particularly the Bills' opponent is the Patriots. They have to win to get in. I think the Ravens have already clinched, but the uh, the Bengals playing the Ravens is another you know impacts playoff seeding type of game that they can't have the Ravens and Patriots not playing those games. I mean, it, it is a really challenging thing from a timeline perspective to figure out how they're going to figure this out. And and again, we're only really having this conversation at this point because the most important thing the demar hamlin stuff it, it does seem like and we hope is is all treading in the very positive direction that you can kind of progress the conversation at that point hopefully a little bit
2: and the nfl has to deal with the trickiness of all of those different elements and you mentioned that it only affects seeding not going to the playoffs that is true you also mentioned some of the different scenarios in terms of buy and all that in terms of the chances to win it has a dramatic dramatic impact The team that won this game was going to see a bump in their odds to win the Super Bowl. The team that lost was going to have those crater. If it happened to be the Bengals, the Chiefs were going to see their Super Bowl winning odds explode. And it makes a big difference to not have to play that game. I mean, the Chiefs now have almost lost multiple times recently to teams that are nowhere near as good as the teams are going to face in the Super Bowl. I mean, the teams are going to face in the playoffs. That doesn't mean that they would lose the playoff games, but it just underlines that there are risks in all of these games. It's easy to think of the only games that matter being the ones that are going to eventually include the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals because they are the three elite teams. That part of it as well obviously makes a huge difference. If you're the one seed, you don't have to face that team until... The AFC championship game, of course, not necessarily the case if the Bengals had fallen to the five seed. That would have also changed it. But there are huge ramifications for these teams. And again, I think that that is something that speaks very positively about how they handled it when this occurred, because the stakes were gigantic. And obviously that wasn't the remotest consideration for them. As that all unfolded,
1: that's a great point, Sean. Sorry, I I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's it's such a good point because what was important was Demar Hamlin, and and I think everyone understood that, which is great.
2: So yeah, I, I love what you did in your league. You mentioned that you can't use projected points, but I think just you know you're saying you can't take those points as if they had been scored and award titles that way. You could, especially I think in home leagues. Now we talk all the time about the how the home leagues are often the most important leagues but i do think in some of those cases having co-champions if the projections suggested that it was a virtual dead heat that that does make sense we do know that our friends at the ffpc have issued a statement that the contest will be over with stack corrections on friday and i mean that's the decision they have to make they have to go with their bylaws their terms and conditions and so even though it's a decision that i'm sure was devastating for them i i mean i would not have wanted to be in that position either but that's that's the right decision and so they're they're doing the right thing there you mentioned keeping it open you have to do that until you find out you know for all individual league commissioners you have to do that until you find out the game's played because that would be the best case outcome for everyone if all of those other things that you mentioned didn't exist. I mean, if we could just play it, that would be the best. It does look like that probably isn't the case. I think if you're in sort of a medium stakes league with friends and, and that type of thing, then I, I don't think there's a wrong decision in that if you go with the scores as they were, which uh, to to get to that point because of this type of event is obviously very unique. We do have other types of situations where players don't play and as a result, you don't get fantasy points. And it's it's very frustrating. We've talked about so many of the different things that have happened throughout the year where players get injured early in games. That part is one of our least favorite aspects of fantasy football. This is that to the nth degree. But it is, it is something that obviously happens and, and happened here. I think that most fantasy players would understand that decision following logically from these particular events and again would consider to be very subordinate to the health of demar hamlin and all of those types of things you know you, you have a discussion and you have a vote in your league and whether you sort of award co-champions in a game that's projected to be a toss-up or you stick with the points here i think that both of those are very valid solutions and i think that whatever your league wants to do, then I, I, I just feel like people will almost universally be happy with.
1: Yeah. Again, because what,
2: it's just not the most important thing. Yeah. You know, one thing I saw suggested in
1: a league that I'm not in, but that there's a, a sizable pot and the commissioner who was not a part of the championship game said he was going to make the unilateral decision to donate the money to uh the charity, I believe to, to DeMar Hamlin's charity. That is a very commendable decision. I think some of those creative ideas can make sense, provided both of the teams that were po- potentially in position to, to win that money agree. I think you have to have that as an open discussion. In that case, it sounded like the commissioner just made that decision and sort of dared the, the individuals to say something about it. And that is, a, I think it's tricky. in in these spots, but that is, that is kind of a problem that, I mean, it's not up to a commissioner, I think, to make that decision. The point you made about the projected points, totally uh, agree with I I meant you can't count them, but obviously when I was describing my scenario with the Joe Burrow lineup, you know, I'm trying to think about what the probability probably was of, of this outcome in scenarios where there's a very clear winner or there weren't even any players. I mean, it it becomes easier to just determine. And I would argue the toughest ones are probably ones where like somebody needed a 35 point game or a 40 point game out of a player in this game. Cause it's not out of the, it's not out of the question, but at the same time, it probably was more like 80%, 20% win probability or something, right? Like, you don't see those massive games every week for a reason, you know, depending on the player, but let's say, you know, it's not Jamar chase, <laughs> you know, somebody else, you know, how, how frequent is that type of high scoring game for that player? And in many cases, it's going to be not even a one in 10 game type of score for them. If they're doing that every 10 games, a 35, 40 point game, then they probably aren't Jamar chase, right? Uh, that's, that's pretty common actually. If, if they're doing it 10% of the time, that big of a score, Somebody like Tyler Boyd probably hasn't done that in, in years. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, maybe I'm not making the right point, but think in that scenario, again, talk to the people involved. My recommendation would be that you still split the pot a little bit, but basically the, the the team that was most likely to win sort of still becomes the winner, provided this game doesn't get played. I would I would keep it open until in that scenario until we see if this game gets played. There are some unique scenarios being tossed around with week 19, it's not going to be played before week 18. That has become clear. You mentioned the FFPC's decision. To me, it was very clearly in response to the NFL saying this game will not be made up this, this week. And FFPC's rule stating, that's basically the, the limit of how far this can carry on. We can't hold everyone's funds until a potential week 19, two weeks from now. If there is some type of unique week 19 outcome, any, any scenario like the one I just described where you need like 35 points from a Tyler Boyd, uh, I think you need to wait and see what happens. But if it doesn't get played, my suggestion would be, what, I'm, I, assuming it's a league that had a prize pool for first and second, to tighten that, that prize pool, if that makes sense. So you're not, you're not just awarding an overall winner. You're giving some of that top prize. But I would still award a winner, if that makes sense. I mean, also, if that makes sense, um, it's unfortunate. But you would have a winner and you'd have someone who makes more money. It's not a completely split pot. Again, I think you need everyone to be in agreement on this. If I was on the Tyler Boyd side of that, I would agree with that. If someone said, well, we'll kick in an extra 100 bucks for you from the second place prize pool. But we are going to declare the other person the winner. I, I mean, I would get that. It, I would be disappointed, but I would get that as an outcome so you you would need this, the person in second to understand, but that would probably be the path that I would, from a commissioner's perspective would flow. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? And those, I think those are the toughest ones. There's the clear outcomes and then there's the clear splits. Toughest ones are the ones that are like not likely, but possible.
2: Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that it does make sense to, address all of these things individually with what works for your league as opposed to having a one size fits all solution for this unique event everybody has their own horror story about something not working out in the league not being happy with the commissioner or another player and yet overwhelmingly our experience is that people who participate in this endeavor endeavor are awesome people and make decisions for the good of the group i'm optimistic that that will be overwhelmingly the case at these as these types of things are resolved then you mentioned donating money there are lots of different things that people might or might not want to do and that's a very individual type of decision but if you are looking for somewhere to donate you had tweeted about this charity that is working on trying to provide support for this particular type of event that happens as a heart issue for youth sports. And is that something that you would like to share as we close the show? Yeah. And I mean, I,
1: I'm not great at identifying the best charities to donate to our buddy, Curtis Patrick from Rotoviz also mentioned the American Heart Association as a possibility. the organization I met that I found was called the Lewis J. A- a- Acompora, Acompora Memorial Foundation. That's the the young man who unfortunately lost his life in 2000 playing lacrosse and, and commercial courtesy. It's a very rare thing. I probably should have said that earlier in discussing it. It's not something to be like massively concerned about, it is rare, but it tends to happen to younger people whose chest isn't as developed. And it's just it's like a timing thing, from what you I understand. If you go to the Wikipedia for this um, condition, there's an actual little picture of the you know the period between heartbeats where that's the risk area, the small moment between heartbeats where an impact can cause this. Um, the most important thing is that you have AEDs and and CPR trained personnel on hand to handle this immediately. And so, yeah, I mean, in reading about this Monday night, whether or not this is what happened to DeMar Hamlin, it has been something that has happened on youth field. And the helplessness we all felt Monday night, I can't imagine feeling that on a youth field and not having. I mean, there were people who commented that other than a hospital, the best place this could have happened to DeMar Hamlin was on an NFL field because of the, the massive amount of emergency personnel standing by at the ready. That's, I mean, it was still so scary and it was still touch and go, but that's obviously, you know, something we're, we're happy to hear and and hopeful that that means that Tamar Hamlin's going to come through this and have no long-term lasting effects. There is the possibility of this happening on youth fields and in places where there aren't as many emergency personnel standing by. And so that's the mission of this foundation that I mentioned to Lewis J. A-C-O-M-P. O-R-A, Akampora Memorial Foundation. I will note, after tweeting about that, I had a follower respond and say, you know, small world, but I was his teammate. Uh, And I'm also a a Substack subscriber. And he, he said, small world, Ben, Substack subscriber. And Lewis was my teammate. The org has done tremendous work. Was an early advocate of AED adoption in the 2000s. Athletic departments in New York State were mandated to have them by law in 2003 government signed at what would have been his high school graduation um, and and just said, thank you for amplifying their message uh, and and that they've been used to save countless athletes lives. I also was linked to a um, WNBA player who's been donating part of her salary for the same cause to, to make sure that we have AEDs at any youth sporting event. Again, it is very rare and yet this seems like a very simple step that we as a society could take. It was an interesting thing to learn about for me, again, regardless of whether it happened with Demar Hamlin, the helplessness that we all felt, again, you can't imagine what that might be like as a parent or as an observer of a youth sport. So that I think is, you know, another good cause to be looking into and potentially trying to um, support in addition to, I mean, we have, you know, Demar Hamlin, you mentioned Demar Hamlin's GoFundMe has gotten overwhelming support and for a great cause as well. And, and, you know, when you mentioned that, I mean, that that to me is one of the coolest parts of the story. You talked about, I mean, really how it was sort of this unifying thing where we all felt the same helplessness and wanted to do something. And you see that in the amount of money that has been now donated to this cause. It's been a bunch of reports of the famous people that have donated to it. Um, a lot of NFL players around the, around the league. I, I saw Andy Dalton originally, and people were commenting about a few years back when Andy Dalton beat, I can't remember who it was in week 17, the final week of the NFL season, Andy Dalton and the Bengals beat, I think it was the Ravens or somebody, and it got the Bills in the playoffs for the first time. And Bills fans flooded Andy Dalton's charity with donations because he had won this meaningless game for the Bengals. Andy Dalton turned around, he, he donated something like $3,000 or something to uh, DeMar Hamlin's foundation, and, and people were commenting on that. It was great to see. Um I've since seen tom brady russell wilson other names that have come up and donated large sums to to the foundation you're seeing people big small anywhere in between wanting to do something and that's a very unifying thing and everybody felt the same way monday and i think sort of felt the same way since sean i know you and i in, in talking both felt that way and if it's been a trying time as a football fan to just question a lot of things and again, I, I'm almost as we're closing already like regretting talking so much about the medical side of it and jumping into that right away. We didn't know how to approach this podcast. Again, that was to try to help anyone who's not as plugged in understand what happened. If, you know, w- what seems to be the leading cause. A lot of that was taken from people with medical backgrounds and what they've commented on Twitter. Um, piecing together things research wise. It, it is isn't by no means definitely accurate. This commotion cordis thing essentially is just a cause of what then becomes cardiac arrest, which is basically a heart attack, but it it knocks the heart out of rhythm and causes a heart attack. There's other ways that heart attacks can happen. I mentioned Christian Eriksen, the soccer player for Denmark. That was a heart condition. There's a lot of other things. And so that could have been what happened with DeMar Hamlin. There could be some underlying condition. We don't know. We don't know anything. But it does sound like, you know, things are going positively for DeMar Hamlin right now. And when I talk about this, you know, uh, foundation and other ways you can support this cause without even knowing whether this was Damar Hamlin's particular affliction. I just think it's a good cause. I mean, I learned about it on Monday as a result of this and as a result of that helplessness that everyone felt that unifying feeling that we were discussing. And it seemed like a a thing to do. So yeah, that's about
2: all I I got on it, Sean. What do you think? no I, I appreciate you sharing that as you mentioned lots of good opportunities to donate if you'd like again very individual decisions but we're rooting for him we're we're hopeful for him especially now as hamlin appears to be trending in the right direction just overwhelmingly we hope that that continues so that'll do it for today's episode of stealing bananas we're thinking of tomorrow hamlin we know you are talk to you soon